All right, welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. Uh, it's the Cub Podcast, and last week it was just me and Sam. This week it's just me and Kyle. So, hi, Kyle. How are you? Hey, Andy. Doing good. Good to be back. A couple week hiatus, but I uh, got some big shoes to fill with, with Sam gone this week. So, the two-man show is back in a different form. I don't know how big his feet are. <laughs> and I don't want him to send pictures. God, I, just, I don't want to see those feet. Um... So Kyle can be found on Twitter at kreichert27. Did I get that right? Correct, yep. What's the 27? Uh, oh, man. It was my baseball number when I created my Twitter account uh, when I was in high school 10 years ago. So so I had my, my vanity license plates that I had forever in Illinois had my football number on them because we all got them in high school. We all put our football numbers on. And mine... So mine ended with 88 because that was my number. I was a, I was a tight end wide receiver and a linebacker, so I was 88. And um, do you know that's a, that's a uh, white supremacist number? Oh God, no, that's news to me. Because eight is H, so they just decided to claim 88 as Heil Hitler. Oh God, <laughs> fuckers. Uh, it didn't matter because when I, I moved away, although I got the same license plate in Michigan for a couple for three years, but I came back and I got Cubs plates, and you only get five characters, so just my name is on the license plate. So I'm no longer, I've disavowed white supremacy finally <laughs> yeah. by dropping the 88 off my license plate, which I had no idea was even a thing until like uh, two weeks ago. So yeah, well, that's great. Good to you, Andy. <laughs> um, all right, so the. Uh, the Cubs wrapped up a very exciting playoff spot on Tuesday night uh, by letting the Nationals do their dirty work for them. Um, so they, the Nationals swept a doubleheader against the Phillies, which meant that the the worst the Cubs could possibly finish is eighth in the National League, which guarantees them a playoff spot. And they now seem hell-bent on actually finishing eighth, which is very exciting. Um uh, all that stuff about, hey, we should, they should just tank to, to eight, and then they only have to beat the Dodgers twice. Maybe they're actually thinking about that. I think they actually are. I mean, we said it months ago. We were, or yeah. a couple months ago. We Theo, were, probably, Theo wrote that down, and he's like, that's yeah. a great idea. That's actually not why I think they're losing all these games. I think they're losing them to force the Cardinals to play the doubleheader in Detroit. Which would be just beautiful. They should, well, obviously not. The Cubs forcing that would not be beautiful by virtue of losing, but they should. The Cardinals should have to be forced to play that, even if it means nothing. They should be forced to fly up there, play two games, and then fly back. Yeah. I mean, the the Tigers are probably long ago ready to go home. But, uh, I mean, what's one day? Pay, give them a little, give them a bonus check for sticking around and playing two more games. It's only, it's only 14 innings. Big deal. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't be that bad. So the, um, I had so watching the Cubs on Tuesday, and then had the the extra innings. The what do they call this channel? The Game Mix channel. I had that up so I could keep an eye on all the games. And the Nationals were comfortably ahead. And uh, I was like, "Oh, good. Well, at least you know, at least the Cubs will wrap up their playoff spot finally." And then uh, Phillies came back, got within a run, scored in the seventh to tie it. Because of doubleheader, the eighth inning was extra innings. Um, scored in the um, scored in the top of the eighth. I thought, all right, well, they're probably screwed. And then, in a very Nephi Perez-like moment, something named Yadiel Hernandez hit a two-run homer to walk off the, for the Nats and put the Cubs in the playoffs. It was it was very exciting. I looked up and went, oh, well, that's kind of nice. Um. The Cubs then almost immediately tied the game against the Pirates on the Rizzo homer in the eighth. That all right, well, here we go. They're just gonna, they're gonna, they're done. They're gonna, they're gonna start taking care of business. Uh, that didn't happen. Did you know that between the the walk off home run that um, whatever Stallings name is the the enormous catcher for the Pirates who Len Casper seems to think is really good, which is weird. Um. 
So he walks off the game with a home run. And then the first two batters of the next game homer off Kyle Hendricks. So the Pirates actually went back to back to back over two days. I wonder how often that has happened. Jesus Christ, yeah. yeah. And then yeah, nothing. And then Kyle was like, yeah, Kyle's like, that's all right. You scored enough. But it was yep. way yeah. enough. Credit to the Cubs for making it as interesting as possible. Our, uh, well, Yadiel Hernandez, this guy may be going down in Cubs lore. He has um, as many RBIs this season as Albert Almora and Josh Fegley combined, so he's nice. got that going for him. Um, it, it's feeling like a little bit like two years ago, 2018, when they were coming down the stretch and they had that ridiculous lead, and it was like literally – if they would have played, you know, well, it was the math. It was play 500 the rest of the way, and the Brewers have to go X and whatever to tie them. Um, and then it happened, and the Cubs clinched a, a playoff spot on, I think it was a Wednesday night at Wrigley against Pittsburgh on a Elmora walk-off bloop single and then celebrated with a shot of Crown Royal Apple in the oh, clubhouse. Right. That, was, that was the extent of their other postseason celebration that year. Um Kind of starting to get that vibe again, which is, is not a place I thought they would be. Yeah, they kept putting off the big champagne celebration for when they won something. So yeah. they didn't do it, and then they didn't um, they didn't clinch on the last day of the regular season. They were tied with the Brewers. So then they had game 163 against the Brewers. They were going to celebrate after that, and they lost. And then they had the wild card game at home, and they were going to celebrate after that, and they lost to the Rockies, and they just went home. And then they didn't make it uh, last year. And they did celebrate this year, and apparently, well, you don't get to really celebrate this year. You can't have champagne. You're not supposed to, no touching. You're not supposed to hug each other. Um, there are T-shirts, at least in Cleveland, because um, the Indians, on that same night, Tuesday night, clinched a playoff spot, and they were wearing these Respect Cleveland shirts around on the field, which I joked it could have just been something the Chamber of Commerce had left over. And they're like, hey, this is our failed ad campaign. Do you guys want to wear the shirts? Um, I just wonder what the market for playoff shirts in a pandemic is. I can't imagine that it's really good. Where more than half the league makes the playoffs for the first time ever. So, because the Cubs have somehow managed to lose three games in a row to the Pirates, their magic number is stuck. The only, the only way it's been going down the last three days is if the Cardinals and or Reds, um, whoever's in second place, loses. Um, they now are faced with a... Still somewhat unlikely, but not impossible um, chance to lose the division. Um, Which the only thing that really matters is, A, it would make Cardinal fans happy, so you don't like that. And it would create this bullshit, oh, look what all we've overcome. Even though it was all self-inflicted. And it would cost the Cubs home playoff games. Which is not that big a deal because really it's, there's no home field advantage except you get to bat last. I don't know what that's worth. Um, but just before we came on, we were chatting about it, it does impact uh, somebody if the Cubs don't play their games at home. Uh, do you want to talk about uh, what you found out about rooftop playoff tickets? Yeah, we learned uh, the everyone can take one solid guess at the somebody that no playoff home games would affect the most. Um Rooftop tickets, uh, they were offering a unadvertised pre-sale special to uh, repeat customers uh, for the lovely, tidy price of $500 a head. Um, and then they went on sale today for real for $550. So uh, great deals were to be had earlier this week, folks. Ooh, 10% off. Yeah. That was great. Yeah, so there, you know, some of the, well, yeah, you're right. The, by far, the... The family who just happens to own the most most of the rooftops uh, is the Ricketts. So they're looking at that as a last-ditch chance at a little cash. Uh, and hopefully, I'm sure they're rooting against their own uh, ease of playoff path by hoping that there'll be three games. Um, there's probably, if they, if they have a home game the way they're playing, there'll be two. But there is a chance that there won't be any. Um, so I... I dared to look into the tiebreakers. Oh. And because um, everybody knows the Cubs' magic number is three. 
which is weird if you do the actual magic number math that we're used to, which is you take the team who's ahead, you take their wins, and then add the team behind them losses, and then subtract that from however many games are in the season plus one. So in a typical year, you're taking, you take Cub wins, Cardinal losses, add them together, and then subtract that from 163, and whatever's left over is what you get. Well, this year, it's, you know, you have to do it with 60, but the Cardinals fuck it up because they haven't played enough games, or they aren't even scheduled to play enough games. So it makes it very difficult to figure it out. So I gave up on that, and I did the old-fashioned way, which was, all right, so the Cardinals have five games left, all against the Brewers, starting tonight in Milwaukee, but if they need them, they have two games they could make up on Monday against the Tigers because they're only scheduled to play 58 games right now, but they would have to play 60. And they would have to play those if either they needed a win or two to get into the playoffs or if a loss or two would put somebody else in the playoffs. So there could be the the fun little situation where the Cardinals have a lead by, say, a game, have to go to the – or um, have to play the games against Detroit – Lose them both and miss the playoffs. That would be pretty funny. I don't know how likely that is, but it could happen because the Cardinals are not good. Um, what I don't know, I couldn't find, and maybe I just didn't look hard enough, is if they're going to bother with making the Cardinals play if only seeding is involved. Um, in other words, if the Cardinals are in, the Cubs are in, the Reds are in, whoever else, it doesn't really matter whether the Cardinals win or lose those last two games, except it might determine who wins a division and who wins a wild card. Um, I don't know if they would do that based on winning percentage. They might. Uh, But what we do know is what happens if they are actually tied. Um, The way it currently stands, the only way the Cardinals can catch the Cubs um, is to play... Well, no, I know I've said that. That's not exactly right. I guess they could if they won all five games in Milwaukee, and the Cubs lost all three in at Comiskey, whatever the hell it is, which I think is what we're all. Well, I think we're all kind of factoring in three more losses for the Cubs. Absolutely. Um, they would have the same amount of wins, and then yeah, no matter what, the Cardinals are going to have to play the two games in Detroit if they want to win the division. So, if the Cubs go zero and three, the Cardinals have to go five and two to tie which the way they're playing is not terribly likely, but it's certainly not impossible. Uh, It helps for the Cubs that the Brewers are still in the playoff hunt, and so they have incentive to win as many of those games, of the five games as possible, too. Um, Okay, but if, let's say that, say that's exactly, if the Cardinals go 6-1 and and the Cubs lose them all, the Cardinals win the division. If the Cardinals go 7-0 and and the Cubs lose uh, 2 of 3, the Cardinals end up with (laughs) 1. All right, uh, I'm doing a rare in podcast edit because I, I fucked up the explanation of the tiebreakers with the Cardinals. And honestly, it's probably nothing interesting anyway, but if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. So uh, in the original version, I get it wrong, and Kyle does a lot of, huh? You know, because it's it's convoluted. So just, you can, um, Kyle's not here, so you can just insert your own, what? Huh? Oh, that's stupid. As you follow along, you'll be following just like Kyle was, and you'll understand why. Okay, so I was right about the Reds tie. The Reds cannot win the division because the best they could do is tie the Cubs, and the Cubs have the tiebreaker, which was head-to-head. Um, which I, it's, I, I had no idea after all that that the Cubs actually beat the Card- the uh, Reds six times. Okay, so that leaves the Cardinals, who have this ridiculous five-game series with the Brewers to end the season, and then maybe two games against the Tigers on Monday. Um, It looks like the only reason they would have to play the two games against the Tigers is if they still have a shot to win the division. Um, I guess unless they really tank against the Brewers and are limping along to try to get the eighth seed, which I don't think is going to happen. Okay, so the reason that the magic number is three is because the Cardinals need three wins against Milwaukee to have any chance to win the tiebreaker against the Cubs. Now, that sounds ridiculous, but the reason is uh, first tiebreaker, head-to-head record, they're 5-5. Five and five. Um, Second tiebreaker 
is um, division record. And um, that right now, the um, Cardinals need two wins to tie the Cubs, three wins to have one more win than the Cubs. So if they only got two, the teams would be tied. So what's the next tiebreaker if the interdivision record um, is the same? It's this ridiculous um, record, interdivision record over your last 20 games. I don't know where they pulled that arbitrary number out of, but they pulled it out of somewhere. And so for that one, in order to trigger that, it means the Cardinals went 2-3 and three against the Brewers. And then that would, both teams um, would be 10-10 and 10 in their last 20. This is where the Cubs' three losses in Pittsburgh in the last three days really screw them. Because one win, they could have made it very, very difficult for the Cardinals to tie them. But they didn't. Okay, so how do you break that tie? Well, incredibly, you start by going back... 21 division games ago and see how you did. So you look at that one and the Cubs beat the Cardinals in the second game of a doubleheader on August 19th. Well, that must be it. So that obviously puts the Cubs a game ahead. Cubs uh, gets a tiebreaker. No, that's not right. Because given the Cardinals' ridiculous backloaded schedule, their 21st division game is not even close to where the Cubs is. It's certainly not the same one. It's not even close. Theirs was August 31st against the Reds, and they won 7-5. to Okay, so now they're both 11-10 and 10 in the last 21 games. We have to go back to the 22nd game. Wait, for the Cubs, they go back to the doubleheader against the Cardinals, the one where they won the second game. Well, they lost the first game, 9-3. to That was the great uh, game where they got blown out, but Josh Fegley hit a two-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. Wasn't enough. Okay, so we go back to the Cardinals' 22nd uh, division game ago. It's the same game of a doubleheader against ugh, the Pirates. But the Pirates beat them. So now they're both 11 and 11 in their last 22 division games. Go back to, for the Cubs, got to go back to the 23rd game now. And you get the August 18th game against the Cardinals. Hugh Darvish beat the great Daniel Ponce de Leon 6-3. Okay, so let's go back to the 23rd game for the Cardinals. Well, it's going to be the first game of that doubleheader against the Pirates. Surely the dog shit Pirates didn't sweep a doubleheader against the Cardinals in St. Louis. Oh, but they did. They won 4-3 to three in 8 innings. It was tied at 1 after 7. Goes to extra innings. John Gant gives up 3 runs in the top of the inning. The, uh, Car- the Pirates go up 4-3. Cardinals rally. They make it 4-3 with one out. Harrison Bader is running for Paul Goldschmidt at third base. And both Brad Miller and Max Rock strike out. Pirates win. That's a tiebreaker. Swings the tiebreaker to the Cubs. Who knew that a game back on August 27th would be the reason that if the two teams end up tied, the Cardinals have to have done it by... Uh, winning three of the five games against the Brewers. Now, honestly, a little secret for you, they can't get to five wins without three of the wins against the Brewers. Um, but that's how we get a magic number of three, even though the Cardinals still have um, seven games, as I'm saying this, left maybe six by the time you're hearing it. Why is 20 and not 15 or 10 or, or 30 or 40 or whatever? Yeah, like, is it, it's so arbitrary when the Cubs effectively, I mean, you just explained why it isn't this, but they effectively played a game 163 in late August without knowing it. Yes. <laughs> and only one of the teams was playing it because the other one, two weeks later. Okay, right. See, the Cubs were, when the Cubs played that doubleheader, the Cubs were still good. Uh, they went into the doubleheader 14 and 7. So you're like, hot damn, this is, we're still good. And then by now, not so much. No. So I not mean, only not only is that still up in the air, here we are with three games to go in the season. The Cubs seed could be anywhere from second to eighth. 
the only thing it can't be no it also can't be fourth it could be it could be second third fifth sixth seventh or eighth because the dodgers they can't catch the dodgers for first the padres already have the best record of any second place team so they're automatically are the fourth seed because they seed the division champs one two three the second place teams four five six and then the two wild card teams are seven and eight it looks like if the Cubs don't win the division, their most likely seed would be um, fifth. That would send them to San Diego to, to get completely demolished by the Padres. So, way to go, guys. Thanks for finishing on a flourish. Yep. Well, that uh, that first two weeks was the first two and a half weeks was fun. Actually, now that I think about it, I don't think the Cubs can finish. I think the Cubs are guaranteed. Don't okay. Now going back from my old math, this is sad to do this live on the podcast. <laughs> the Cubs can't finish. Can't be a wild card team because one of the two wild card teams would have to be the Reds. Which they, yeah, right. And the, um, well, I guess they could be. All right, take that away. If the Reds miss the playoffs, then there could be two other. No, that's not right. The Cubs have to be second. They can't finish worse than second place now. So they're either going to be the division champ or they're going to be the second place team. So I guess, uh, so I was wrong. So they can be two, three, five, five. or six. Yeah. Okay. Well, we cleared that up. People at home are like, "What? The, why are you just throwing out numbers?" <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I hope this underscores how ridiculous. I mean, this whole season is ridiculous. Obviously, we've talked about it, but I hope this underscores how ridiculous this playoff structure is. Right. Well, and by the time people hear this, uh, the Cardinal Brewer game, the first game of that series, will be over, and people will be like, "Well, no, you've already fucked up all the math." Um, but actually, after one game, it's not going to make that big a difference because none of the options will be out the window yet. Um, so there was some, I was on the, um, cause I don't, I'm not, don't have enough podcasts. I was on the Wrigleyville nation podcast on Monday night and, um, we were talking about, um, um, a lot of the things we talk about here. The oh, we knew that um, Katana was coming back, and that um, Adbert was going to piggyback with Katana, which I, I thought was reckless to have a recently injured pitcher have to carry another pitcher around on his back. Um, and so that game, Katana pitched only went two innings. I think it was basically a go out and throw, and then we'll see if you're ribs that feel like they're going to fall off in the morning. And apparently they didn't because he's scheduled to start on Sunday, which is a terrible idea against the White Sox. Um, Adbert came in with a new pitch and struck everybody out. Do you think if the Cubs somehow, I already know the answer to this, but I, um, if the Cubs get to a game three in the wild card, that they would entertain at all the idea of letting Adbert pitch that game. I thought Hadavi already came out and said it would be Lester. Or yeah, someone I think they, they strongly indicated that it would most likely be Lester. Which, I mean, I get, but I mean, it, I, I get why it would be Lester. But it also is ironic then if they completely turn their back on um, the pitch lab finally yeah. producing a single pitch. Right. Like the, the pitch lab has now produced a pitch. So I'm fine with Lester starting game three if they get to. I actually, I'd be just happy that they made it to a game three. Yeah, right. Um, although in Cub fashion, they will get to game three by you will handily win game one and they'll blow a lead late in game two. And then you'll be like, oh, shit, now we have to play game three. So we won't be happy about it. We will be lamenting that they blew it. Um, I have no problem with Lester starting as long as his leash is sufficiently short. Um, in other words, after like three batters how's it going because <laughs> uh you know he's he's pitched well in his last three starts but they have been against um the pirates the indians 
and who was it before then? Three teams who can't hit, whoever they were. Um, which was still oh, the Brewers, which was still a uh, improvement over the fact that he wasn't getting teams, he wasn't getting guys out whether they could hit or not, and now he back to at least getting guys out that he should. Um, but I guess we'd have to see how uh, ruthless Ross will be in a spot like that. And he's going to have to be that way with everybody. I mean this this playoff run, especially that first round, you you have to treat all the games like they're elimination games because. They kind of are. I mean, technically, the first one can't be, but really, it's a huge advantage to win that first game. Oh, and I think you just have to do whatever you can to win today and then worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Um, there was supposedly big news today that um, they came up with their 40-man playoff roster. Uh, you, can, you can't have all 60 guys um, as possible um, players on your playoff roster at any point, so you had to whittle it down to 40, and people were all excited that they put Braylon Marquez on it. Do you really think if they wouldn't pitch him an inning in the regular season, they're just going to magically put him on the playoff roster? No. Also telling is that um, Tyler Chatwood is on it, and um, Rowan Wick is on it, because it's basically just, well... And if we go far enough, and either one of them is uh, ambulatory by that point, we're going to use them. So, um, for I guess for me, the telling thing was that Albert Elmore is on it. Oh, God. So, Do we know if it's the same as a normal year where if you come off the – like I would assume they have to set their 26 or whatever it is roster before the wild card round. Um, and then I, I'm guessing you can't just shuffle guys back and forth. But. Well, it's weird. They said – I read in more than one spot that the 40-man roster was to set the 11-man taxi squad. That doesn't... They're not, they're gonna, are they going to carry 29 guys? Is that like a concession to the fact that there aren't any days off? Because 29 is the double-header um, yeah. size. Not, I, I, I think it's supposed to be 28. Um, but yeah, I don't know if... If they do it the way they've done it in the past, if you leave the roster, you ha- you can't obviously you can't be brought back on that series, and I think you can't play in the next one, right? Okay. So like if yeah. they if they in the old days if they yanked you off the LDS roster, you couldn't come back at the earliest until the World Series. Okay. And so in this one, I guess if you get taken off the wild card roster, you would be able to come back for the championship series. Maybe, although who knows? In the COVID right. thing, maybe they just let you shuttle guys back on and off but you you would just do that you would just immediately after the first game your starting pitcher would be deactivated and you'd right. add another pitcher you could do it again for game two so i can't imagine they're going to let you just bring guys back the very next round or everybody's going to be shuffling it around so right and i guess with rosters that big there's not anywhere near the reason there typically is to there would typically be to shuffle guys like that if they chose to. Well, how are the Cubs going to get Rex Brothers into a key spot? Exactly. Yep. <sighs> yeah. The, it was funny because even on, on Tuesday night, or I did it Monday night, the Cubs were already, we, that's all we talked about was how bad the offense had been. And they ended up winning that game five to nothing. And they had won six of the last eight games. So there you felt like, oh my God, this team is going nowhere. And you realized, you know, they were six and two in their last eight. Well, they're taking care of that now. They're now um, six and five in their last 11, which feels a little more like it. They've scored 10 runs in the last seven games, five of them in one game. They got shut down by uh, Trevor Williams, who was literally for his last. Six starts, the worst starting pitcher in the National League. Today they almost got no hit by Chad Cool. Sporting a tidy five ERA for the year. It was so bad that you were t- you're trying to take little glimmers of hope wherever they were. Jose Martinez got reactivated. He's now 0 for 20 as a Cub. But he almost had two hits the other night. He hit the ball to the wall twice. And they're like, see, he's coming around. It's like, oh, he's still 0 for 20. Um, do you know what the Cub record is 
for the most hitless at bats to start a Cub career? Oh, um, is it uh, was it Augie Ojeda? Uh, Augie might have been long, but the longest over thirty. Okay. John Lester. Oh yeah, naturally. Remember, yeah. there was a time when he couldn't hit at all, and then he ended up becoming like one of the better hitting pitchers. At least well, in I the saw Cubs. Today, I like I saw something breaking down uh, like slash line, and his Lester's weighted runs created plus are comparable to Hobbies this year. Like yeah. last couple of years, comparable to Hobbies twenty twenty season. He was when I did a th- when I wrote up a thing a couple of weeks ago where I was talking about how bad the Cub DHs were. His slash line last year was better than the Cub DH slash line was. Jesus, they Christ. literally would have been better off letting him bat in his games as using a DH. Oh my God, it's absurd. I mean, I get like the it's the the nature like the swing and miss nature of the of the lineup or whatever. But like, I like how do you how does nobody get hits for that long for this long this prolonged? completely top to bottom like that's the part i don't understand like i mean you feel someone would mix in a single at some point but well at the beginning of the season we were just sure that the thing that was going to kill the cubs was that they only had two starting pitchers and their bullpen was terrible yeah by the end of the season they still really only kind of have two starting pitchers but their bullpen is at least performing well so you feel relatively comfortable with that they play good defense still but they can't hit at all. And what's no. it, the amazing thing is at the beginning of the year, you would have never thought that the thing that was going to kill them, especially if you had said, okay, by the end of the year, Ian Happ and Jason Hayward are going to have really productive seasons. You would have been like, oh, we're set. I mean, holy oh, crap, because we got Rizzo and Bryant and Schwarber and Javi and Wilson. And you take those other two guys on, you know, we're eight deep. We don't have to worry about a DH. Well, Hayward is the only one who's currently hitting. Ella Rizzo is. Even Rizzo's numbers are bad, but at least you feel like in a big spot he has a chance to get a hit, and he's gotten and a few. He the last week, yeah. Um, and Hap has been not so good lately. A lot right. of strikey outy. Um, but then no, there's nothing. Javi's been one of the worst. Um, Mike Freeman, the great Mike Freeman, has a higher. Uh, OPS plus this year than Javi Baez and Chris Bryant. Jeez. And Mike Freeman has been bad. I was going to say, what is it, 65? It's, um, I think, yes. I think he's 65. <laughs> um, Javi was 64, and Bryant was 60. Jeez. 60. From the guy who you would expect is you know going to be one of the best players in the National League. <laughs> Part of this is something that Ross talks about a lot, which is a nice excuse, but it doesn't really, you know, shit in one hand and wish in the other and see which one fills up first. Um, he's like, well, you know, if this was a normal season, we still have a hundred and, you know, more than a hundred games left. So you wouldn't yeah. be that worried about guys slumping. Um, but you don't. That's not, there aren't, you're not going to tag on another hundred games and just keep right. playing through the winter. So you do kind of have to worry about it. And I get the idea that uh, Len and JD talk about this a lot. And I'm sure Dempster too, but I learned how to tune him out already. So I don't, um, I try not to, I try not to um, try too hard when I listen to him. Do too much. I try not to do too much when I'm listening to Ryan Dempster. Um, The idea that because the season's so short, a slump becomes a crisis. Where a guy looks at his numbers and they're awful and tries to make it all up. You know, and one at bat, which Javi, that's kind of his approach all the time anyway. Pretty much. Um, you know, I can hit a six-run home run here. It's like, well, no, you really can't. But it's so weird that it just happens to all of them at once. Right. I mean, you would think somebody's going to be hot when somebody, it's usually, that's the normal cycle of a season is, you know, Bryant's struggling, but you don't really notice it that much because Javi and Rizzo were hitting, and then Bryant gets hot, and that allows... Javi to cool off for a little while and it doesn't really kill the team, but then they all decide just not to hit at the same time. Uh, it's bad. Yeah, and I can't wait for now that Brian has another injury issue pop up, which don't need to do the, the hot takes on the toughness thing, but he like his performance clearly gets significantly impacted when he has ailments of really any kind. We've seen it the last three years. Yeah, and, and, it, and it could be that he's just a guy who can't play through an injury, 
I think it's more likely that I think I think he plays with injuries that he shouldn't play with. Absolutely. Um, and I think we really learned that last year when Javi played with the bad foot and then hurt his thumb and they finally had to sit him. And then the trainers are like, man, his foot is bad. Like, no shit. You didn't, you couldn't, you couldn't actually check it out until he was out with something else too. Um, yeah, I mean, when we talked about it, I guess Sam and I talked about last week, this whole idea that, so now Bryant has had basically every season since his MVP year has been interrupted to some significant amount of time because of an injury, either one that he did play through and didn't play very well, or one where they finally just said, okay, you you need to sit for a while. And then I have the assumption is he always comes back a little earlier than he should. And it still hampers him. So in typical cub luck, the year they finally either, if they get rid of him in the off season, I don't think they're going to, or they let him leave after next season, he'll string together four healthy years in a row and just, you know, tear through whatever league he's in and make the Cubs look, you know, just stupid. Cause that's how the Cubs do things. Um, we talked about whether or not his poor seasons are actually going to price him back into the Cubs, you know, make it make the Ricketts go, hey, we can afford him now. Um, I wouldn't bet on that. I just, well, savvy move by the uh, by the Ricketts getting in with the Cubs injury staff to um, exacerbate their incompetence to drive the price down. So I guess I got to give him some uh, brain power points on that one. Yeah. You kind of expect that they saw the news that. Uh, the San Diego Chargers trainer accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung, trying to give him a painkilling shot because he had broken ribs. And they're like, hey, let's get that guy. Who is it? I bet you that guy knows how to that's that's the kind of training competence that we want. Yeah, that'll be their that'll be their uh acquisition this offseason. So the the White Sox have also gone into a tailspin. Um, and now that's who they're going to... The Sox are playing the Indians as we speak, the fourth game yeah. of the series. They've um, It's tied relatively late in the game. Now the Indians have walked them off the last two nights. So the Cubs aren't even going to catch a break when they go to U.S. Comiscular of the Sox playoff spot is set, so they really don't care. You know they're going to be playing now because they want to win. They want to win the division and have home playoff games. So um, the Cubs are going to get the full White Sox experience. That's the Cubs' fault because they also could have simply made these games moot by beating the worst team and one of the worst nationally teams in history, this Pirates team. Um, but it's even worse than that. The White Sox are thirteen and zero against lefties so far this year. The Cubs pitchers for the weekend are Darvish on Friday, Lester on Saturday, and Quintana on Sunday. That was just great. Yeah. So <laughs> if you, basically, if you doesn't win, they're probably not going to win a game over the weekend. And Twitter may burn down in the process yeah. on Sunday if it's Quintana. <laughs> This is amazing. For for a team headed to the playoffs for the fifth time in six years, I mean, it feels like we should be more excited, but I also don't think you can blame us for the current um, disposition. Yeah, now the thing we're counting on is the Cubs turning into the either the 2005 White Sox or the 2006 um, Cardinals. Which is sad, sad enough to say, and then there's a Yankee team I was used to reference. There was during their during the Yankee dynasty, they had a season where they completely tanked at the end of the year. They basically had wrapped up the the AL East and they lost like eleven of twelve, and everybody was like, "Oh!" And I think they only lost two playoff games. They basically just ripped through the playoffs. The Sox almost blew a huge lead to the Indians in '05. They had to win on the last two days to wrap it up. And then they only lost one playoff game, winning the World Series. And then the Cardinals are the most apt comparison because they played terribly for the last two weeks, and they just weren't very good. So there was no expectation that that team was going to win the World Series. And then 
That was the year that um, Jeff Supon went crazy. He couldn't, nobody could beat him. And I forget who their unlikely offensive hero was. One of the Stubby Clap or some shit like that. Um, and they won the World Series. And so you'd like to think this. The Cubs have gone in five of the last six years. Um, in 2015, they pretty much maximized their appearance. You know, they won the wild card game. They beat the Cardinals. That was great. They ran into a buzzsaw with the Mets, and they were done. 2016, obviously, they won the World Series, so that was pretty good. Uh, 2017, they win that ridiculous series against the Nationals with the fifth game, which is one of the most absurd baseball games ever played. And then we're done. The Dodgers slapped them around silly so that was a year that where you couldn't really leave it going feeling all that great about it 2015 you felt like you were building something 2016 they won the world series 2017 felt like a missed opportunity because they just didn't play very well at all they were never in the nlcs even though they did win one of the games right and then 18 was just an abomination where they went from home field and you know sam has argued about this forever with us um the team didn't really underachieve because had they beaten the 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 Brewers in 163, they would have had home field advantage through the National League. Oh yeah. Um, instead, they ended up having to host the wild card game, and then that year, I, that year just felt they, like a complete dud. Yeah, I think they had the best record in the National League from like July 15th to like September 29th or whatever the last second to last day was when, until the Brewers tied, and that was a a missed opportunity of of all missed opportunities. The Fun fact, the or fun note on the 2006 Cardinals, the 83 and 78 World Series champions. Um, note the record, 83 and 78. So they didn't play all their scheduled games that year either. Yeah, that's Cardinal way. No, yep, that is the Cardinal way. David Eckstein posted a 1.7 WAR that year. Oh, that's right. He was, the, and he was the, was he the World Series MVP? Um, he was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. So there you go, Nico Horner. Yep. You're going to be the World Series MVP. I mean, the thing we don't know, this is such a weird season. I mean, it's obviously the weirdest one they've, that baseball's ever played. Um, is everybody's like, well, just everything starts over in the playoffs. And it's usually bullshit because there's a reason you're playing well or you're not at the end of a season. And it's very, it's very, that's why we can tick them off off the top of our head. Teams that were playing poorly and all of a sudden went on a tear in the playoffs. But that could really be a thing this year. Oh, absolutely. It could just be that, all right, all that crap's over. We're starting over. And it it wouldn't surprise, I mean, it would surprise Cub fans because we've been living through it and watching it. But if you're just an average baseball fan and somebody told you that Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras went crazy in a wild card series and the Cubs won it, no one would be shocked by that because they're three guys that, you know, you kind of expect are going to hit. Um I don't know what the plan is with Bryant, if they're actually going to try to play him over the weekend against the White Sox to see if his oblique falls off so they know whether or not to even try to play him in the playoffs. I have a hunch they will. That just seems to be what they, what they do with him. No, you're fine. Go out and give it a shot. And then he takes one swing in the on-deck circle and collapses and has to be rushed to the hospital. Um, oh, your appendix burst a week ago. We didn't notice. Um. I mean, that really could be a thing. And maybe that will be the thing we remember is we can look back and laugh at the way they ended the season. The other thing is, being very fatalist about this because we're Cub fans, um, and kind of expecting that they're just not going to play very well against the White Sox, but they certainly could. I mean, I don't have the number in front of me, but the White Sox, I think, are 21-3 and against the Tigers the Royals yeah. and the Pirates. And they're like 13 and 20 now against everybody else. Yeah. And it is, they're, they're two and one against the Cubs. Um, you throw them in there, but we look at the, you look at the White Sox and you see all of the young talent and it's undeniable. They do have, you know, good young players that, traditionally doesn't translate very well in the playoffs. Um, at bats get bigger, guys get pitched to more carefully, and all of a sudden they struggle. That's basically the, it's what the Mets certainly did to the 2015 Cubs. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we go into it thinking, well, the Sox are just going to batter the Cubs around this weekend. There's no, I mean, if you were going to make me bet, I would bet that they are, but you wouldn't be shocked if they didn't. But the Cubs won two of the three games and actually it looked like they were somehow revived. Um, I guess the the thing that is that makes you less optimistic is it's one thing to struggle against the Indians because the Indians can pitch. And two of the three starters that the Twins ran out there were pretty good. I The whole 480-pound Michael Pineda, not being able to hit him, was a little distressing. Holy crap, yeah, I didn't realize how big that guy was. <laughs> At one point when him and... Um, uh, Sano almost collided on the one three put out or whatever. And uh J D goes, Hey, that's uh that's five hundred and fifty pounds there, those two guys. It's like, yeah, that's I'll take the over. Yeah. Uh, I think um they might they might both be go five fifty. <laughs> so then you're like, all right, we can kind of excuse if you're looking for excuses, you can find a way to excuse all that away. But then they go to Pittsburgh. And they don't even face the great Joe Musgrove, the guy that they absolutely can't hit. And they didn't really hit any other starters. They got to the bullpen in game one and then couldn't couldn't hit anybody in game two, three, and four. So that's not a not an exciting way to get ready for the last three games of the season. Not not a ringing endorsement for catching the, the Cubs fever heading into these playoffs by any stretch. And then we learn that, so not only is Bryant at most optimistically day-to-day, but the reason Bodie hasn't been playing more is that he also is hurt. Yeah, Jesus Christ. And Ross won't say why. But it was pretty galling because they, it, there were a lot of games where it felt like he should have been in the lineup either as the DH or allowing somebody else to DH. And he just wasn't. And they started to wonder, there had to be something to it. Um I, the Cubs like to say, oh, I'm just picking matchups. But then Ross basically had to admit that, um, yeah, he's got he's got a little something going on. <laughs> I attributed cool. it to just ennui, but, uh, but we're all suffering from that. So that wouldn't make it exceptional. So when they play game one, who, I guess it's so hard because we don't know, we, don't even, we can't even guess as to who they're going to play. No. The most likely opponents are probably the Marlins, the Cardinals, yeah. or the Reds seem to be the the most likely. There, there's a chance it could be the Giants. If things really tank, then it could be the Padres, um, which would be bad, very bad. I don't want to see That's that. Very bad. Nope. Could you imagine the Cubs trying to hit in Petco? Oh, my God. No. And the Padres have no problem hitting in Petco. They don't. Um. But you want you look at it like who is who's the hell's going to DH? Because yeah, it'll be Victor. Who I guess not game one. Game one it'll be Contreras because Victor will catch you. He'll catch yeah. But I mean, God love Victor. He just can't. He he's so punchless. He had a double the other night, and you're like, oh, here it is. He's going to break out. That was his seventh extra base hit of the season, and they're all doubles. Still hasn't hit a home run. That's the guy you DH more than anybody can't hit a home run. That's that's wonderful. Um, it seems like it's a bad sign when late in the season, Cameron Maven comes up and you're like, oh good. No, that should not be good. You should not be looking forward to Cameron Maven at bat. But honestly, nope. he's given some of the better ones lately, which is an indictment of everybody else. Um. Yeah, because they're in, in the game the other night. I don't know, they've all blend together, but he and Hayward were hitting back to back, and when they didn't score with those two guys up, you're like, "Oh, we're screwed now." How is it possible? We've got to the point where we we feel like it's we're screwed if Cameron Maben and Jason Hayward don't um, don't drive in runs. They're just supposed to be the little you know the little bonus. Uh, I'm still not sure that David Ross has any idea how to deploy Billy Hamilton. No, that was, would you guys have caught it last week? I guess I should probably listen back to the podcast so I can answer my own question. <laughs> what, was the, what thing was it last week when he pinch ran for him 
I think it was Friday when he pinch ran for Schwarber in the bottom of the sixth. And then, oh, yeah, you got in the big Twitter spat with that one random guy that was yep. pitching about it. Yeah, that was a whole like, – it made no sense from no. the jump. And exactly what we thought it was, was going to happen. Yeah, and it was – he pinch ran with two outs. He didn't try to steal. Stayed in the game. And then his spot came up with runners on, and they had to pinch hit for him. So then he wasn't even in for defense after the bat because they had to take him out because they wouldn't they didn't want him to bat. It wasn't that they shouldn't have been used. It's it was at least at least an inning too early. It just didn't make any sense. And then if you're gonna, you could even probably defend it running pinching it pinch running him in the sixth inning, if you give him an opportunity to steal second. Right. But if he's only gonna come in with two outs and be the fast guy on first in case somebody hits a double, <laughs> I just don't think that's worth it. I don't understand. Then when the at bat came up and they pinch hit uh, the immortal Ildemaro Vargas for him, like at that point it was, I get there were guys on, but there are already two outs. And if you put them in for defense, like is the incremental value of Vargas taking that at bat really better than the guy that you brought in for defense? I don't know. I mean, no. it worked out, I guess. So whatever, but that was completely avoidable. I don't get the the Cub fascination with Ildemaro Vargas. I mean, we'll always have the home run he hit off of Josh Hader which was great, but he's never hit anywhere. And even his minor league numbers are not, it's not like, Oh, this is a guy clearly has just never been given enough of a chance at the big leagues. You look at his minor league numbers, you're like, all right, I can see why he doesn't get much of a chance. Um, I didn't even know who he was. Oh God. No, I never. I mean, I like to think I have a pretty good handle on who guys are. Um, but they, i looked at the name Ildemaro Vargas and I just laughed. And I had no idea that he actually had played at least, he'd had a couple cup of coffees, cups of coffee, not cup of coffees, cups of coffee in the big leagues. Um, and I think he's, the Cubs are looking at that as a, as a tough loss, that he can't be on, um, I think it was more than, when did he go on the IL? Maybe maybe they put him on. I think it was a. I think that he was retroactive one day, so maybe he's eligible to come back um, before game one of the playoffs. I don't know. I just don't want to care. I don't want. I don't care enough to look to see if right. Mario Vargas can be on the playoff roster for the first round or not. Um, the other thing I think is funny is the um, the idea that the there are no days off in the playoffs. Sam loved that idea because he felt like it was going to make you use the whole roster, which is true once you get maybe once you get into it. But um, so say the Cubs by some miracle um, win the first two games of the wild card um, round, they get three days off before the NLDS starts. So that seems like there's days off in the time with no days off. And I also thought originally that it was going to be kind of like what the NBA in order to try to hurry up and get the get everybody out of the bubble. If two, if if uh, if a series ended early, and then the opponent, if that series also ended early, they would just hurry up and start. They wouldn't right. like wait. They wouldn't be like, okay, well, yeah, you both wrapped up in four, but according to TV, you're going to have four days off or more than that for basketball. You're going to have six days off, and then you're going to play. They basically would give them a day off and then get right to it. And I thought, well, maybe that's what baseball is going to do. But no, the, the schedule, you can see the schedule is mapped out by the seed. The days off are prescribed. Now, granted, he's there. once you start a series, there aren't any days off. And they said that's because there, there's no need for travel. So that that does impact, like, you, every team's actually going to have to use a fourth starter, which isn't always the case. I mean, the Nationals basically got by with, they used four pitchers to get through the entire playoffs, basically. Uh, well, no, five. They used um, Strasburg, Scherzer, Corbin, Hudson, and Doolittle, and that was about it. They had one other guy, the, a lefty, who came in. That was about it. You're not going to be able to get away with that. So I guess I guess maybe that. But I I had this whole idea that, holy crap, you know, they're just going to, you know, you're going to get a, maybe a day off here or there. In between rounds, there's ample rest time to get everything sorted, which actually I think is good because you don't want like the NLCS to start and it's, um, you know, two, 
two teams are both starting their fourth or fifth starters because that's who's ready. I mean, as a fan, you'd like to see it. And the thing I'm not excited about, the first two days at least, could be three, depending on how the American League series go, um, they're going to play eight games on days two and maybe three. Yeah. And they're like, oh, it's going to be great for fans. No, it's not going to be great for fans. No, it's going to suck. <laughs> right. It's, we're going to be like, well, what the hell, you know. I guess, given the quality of baseball we've seen from time to time, maybe that'll be good because you'll just yeah. be like, all right, screw it. I don't have to watch this shit anymore. But, um, you know, and the, the little um, commonly misunderstood fact about baseball is that games are played at their own pace. So you could literally have the end of games just running right into each other where you sit around all day and nothing happens and all of a sudden everything is happening all at once on different channels and um, I'll be interested to see how if baseball you know they talked about it's like March Madness for baseball so how willing a competing networks are going to be to let you know something exciting is happening on you know it's one thing for like there's going to be games on ABC because ESPN needs the to offload some it's yeah. one thing if a game's on ESPN or ESPN 2 for them to go hey over on ABC uh, you know, the, the Cubs look like they might actually get a hit. You might want to <laughs> switch over there. As opposed to on TBS or FS1, there's a game. I and mean, they could they might be like, well, we're not going to promote the other network. That's fine right. to do it within this. Um, they sh- if they if it really if it's going to be March Madness in October for baseball, then that becomes crucial. Basically to go, you know, there's runners at second and third. There's only one out in, you know, in Houston, see, see how Dusty fucks this up. Um, that would be great. The little, the little score bug at the top with the channel listed next to it, that for March, like they do for March Madness. Yeah. I mean, the one good thing you got is that Marquee won't be doing any of the games. Well, that's a huge plus. So there will be some competence as far as the technical side of of the games. Um, we've had a really weird week, even for Marquee. Um, it started on the day Alec Mills threw the no-hitter where somebody let Taylor McGregor into the groundkeeper's shack at Wrigley. And she dug out the old first down marker from when the Bears used to play at Wrigley. And every day since, she has dug up some stupid, pointless heirloom and wasted actual broadcast time describing it. Like... She spent a good five minutes the other night trying to explain to us what a press pin was. It's like, A, we don't care, and B, it seems like something you could explain in about 15 seconds, which was, here's a pin they gave the working press in the 40s to identify that they were press and could use the press box. But she could somehow turn that into five minutes. The other thing that I was kind of joking about, but I really wasn't joking about, was when she does kind of the history stuff, if you go to Wikipedia, as she's reading her thing, they're the same. Oh, my God. Um, like, all the facts you're going to get from her are there in the first two paragraphs of whatever the Wikipedia entry is for whatever it is. And you're just like, holy shit. That's quite a... You'd really, that's a crack research staff that you and your pals over at Marquee have. Yeah, that just underscores the overall incompetence incompetence of the the network and i i had a I made a big mistake the other night i let the channel linger a little bit too long and i inadvertently caught about 10 minutes of the post game post game live um exclamation point yeah you have to yell it <laughs> i didn't well i i guess it was pretty it should have been pretty obvious but like it's the most it's like reading the it's like reading cubs.com like which isn't a surprise obviously but like they're i don't think they're allowed to criticize anyone like, not that it's all, like, you know, peaches and roses or whatever on the network, but, like, it's, like, the worst, quote-unquote, analysis you could ever have. Well, we talked about it at the time. When the when the whole thing happened um, with the – when the Milwaukee Bucks did the protests and all of a sudden you know, and then the NBA playoff games got canceled and WNBA playoff games got canceled and then some MLB games got, you know, got canceled, but the Cubs and the Tigers went ahead and played – um, Len and JD really didn't talk about it. And then the next night, 
they really didn't talk about it again. You know, it's not like you could kind of see it as it was happening that stuff was going on that it was far easier for people who weren't trying to broadcast an MLB game to take in. And so you expected the next night they were going to talk about it. Well, they didn't. They just, you know, it's clear that that Marquis was not going to talk about it. Um, they're going to show a shot of Jason Hayward wearing a Black Lives Matter shirt in batting practice, and they were going to pretend like they'd covered it. Um, and on a much less controversial thing, the other night, Lennon JD had a pretty interesting conversation about why so many really good players are struggling this year. And they gave a whole bunch of examples. And they never once talked about Chris Bryant or Javi Baez. That reciting their stats and how poor they've been is not criticism. You're just pointing out facts. It's not like they were going to say, well, Javi sucks now or Chris Bryant sucks now. They could have just talked about it, and they didn't. They, they, had, they framed this whole conversation around really good players on teams all over the league struggling, and the elephant in the room was the left side of their infield. They just ignored, and it was, it was jarring to listen to because you thought, all right, you're going to localize this and talk about it, and they just didn't. Now, they have talked a little bit about – um, Javi being mad about not being able to watch video because the, you know, everybody's being punished because of the Astros, and we made fun of that because we're like, you know, what the hell is Javi getting from watching, um, you know, the the most instinctive player in the game? I doubt he gets a lot from watching video, but he claims he does. Maybe he does. He's certainly a smart guy. Maybe he sees stuff. Um, but it's just it's kind of been a season long thing where Marquis isn't interested in doing anything interesting. The, their programming is really dull and kind of, it's not very creative. Um, they keep screwing up their own broadcasts, the, the good part of what they do, by adding Mark Grace or Ryan Dempster. It seems like apparently Ryan Dempster is like, every Wednesday was Ryan Dempster Day, whether you want it or not. And nobody wanted it. No one wants it. But you bring up Cubs.com, uh, reminded me of something. Um I've been making fun of it for a couple of weeks. I don't remember. I don't remember who wrote it now. If it was the if it was um, Cubs.com or Marquee, but there was an article about Chris Bryant heating up, and they were basically talking about even though against all evidence, they were talking about how you know is it bats look better and he's drawing walks and he's about ready to bust out, and one of the other Cub writers. Um, messaged me to say that Mike Bryant had been contacting writers and complaining that people were talking about Chris's slump when Ian Happ was slumping just as bad at the same time. That No way. Yes. Oh, my God. And then the next day, there's an article on one of them about how Chris Bryant's coming out of it. And I'm sure it was the writer's way of placating Mike Bryant without attacking Ian Happ. Right. But it's just a window into, I mean, you can tell Mike Bryant's an ass just from when he gets interviewed. Yep. Um, it does not seem to have rubbed off on his son. Chris does not seem to be an ass in any possible way, but you've got a 28 year old son who's very accomplished is, is a complete grown man. And you're still lobbying writers to not only say nicer things about him, but point out teammates who you think are doing worse. And basically, because I'm sure it was Mike's real thing wasn't write a hit piece on Ian Happ. It was saying, um, you know, if you're not going to bitch about this guy struggling, why are you bitching about my kid? But, uh, yeah. So that's the thing that happened. Mike Bryant complaining about um, his son's media coverage. That's just special. Seems very productive. All right, so um, I don't know what what our plan ought to be for. Was this the was this the season wrap up podcast? Because it very well could have been. Yeah, it won't be. I mean, we'll have to all kick it around. But I I wonder about if they're gonna play. They're gonna play Tuesday. Whether we try to cram in a quick um, playoff preview once we know who they're playing. I guess yeah. the the way they look over the weekend might determine whether or not we think anybody has an appetite to hear more about the playoff series coming up. Um, 
But one thing that I'm really good at is just being completely wrong. So it could be that all of a sudden the Cubs, you know, do shake out of this and they they play well because there have been years when I was sure that this team was peaking and then they, you know, crapped themselves. And there have been other years when I give up on them and it turns out that um, there is another gear and they somehow found it. Um, but it's been an it's it's been an odd season because it isn't them struggling is not recent. They've really been struggling since like game 17 yeah. of the regular season. They made the playoffs because they started 13 and 3. They yeah. got 10 games over in a year when you when you only had to win. You know, we I said all along if you get to 500 you're going to be in. I still think that's going to work. I think that Oh, I'm sure will. Um and the Cubs got way over that. You know, they already got 32 wins. They already got two extras in the yeah. bank just for the hell of it. Um so we'll see what happens. But um, we some fans make too big a deal out of Cub White Sox games anyway. These yep. these kind of matter. We didn't think they were going to matter at all. They still only kind of matter because both teams are in, and it's just a matter of who you're going to play in the playoffs. And given this wild season, it could be that um, you luck yourself into a better matchup by losing than you do by winning. Um. And that would be the that would be the Cubs' luck. Would be that they do get hot again, and then they end up with a tougher draw. Say so they end up with the Reds in the first round, which I think is the yeah. only round you don't want to play the Reds because they only have to beat you twice, and they've actually got three pitchers who can beat you, and then they have nothing else. You know, they're a team that is that the no days off and the DS and the CS would screw if they actually got that far. Yeah, because you can't just pitch, um, you know, Bauer, Castillo, and Gray every day. And Gray, who knows? I mean, he's not—he's not well. So, no. Um, so who knows? We could sit here and bitch about how poorly they're playing, and it ends up that they end up somehow with the Marlins in the first round, and then they beat them. Or it could be that they do well, and they end up with the Reds. And after two games, we're stuck with Trevor Bauer being able to brag about how he knocked the Cubs out of the playoffs, which I don't think anybody wants. No, that would suck. All right, so I guess it's just to be determined who the Cubs play and when we talk about it. <laughs> yep. Yep. Catch in the meantime, catch the fever. Maybe, they'll, maybe they'll get a hit this weekend at some point or score a run. That'd be cool. You know, this is the perfect year to lament catching the fever. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Typical yeah. that in, in a year with a pandemic, the Cubs get everybody excited and we all die. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks Kyle. Yep. Cool. Thanks Andy. Catch up later. Yep. Many of us have herpes. 